1: Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves
0: in changing their world. Males are born, but men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A
1: man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode.
0: To those who are in the arena, we, we salute you. you. We honor you guys for getting it done in the stress bubble of life we are in this arena together men you have jumped into the fray of manhood so thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the man card podcast we're pumped that you are here today we want to call you into the arena we want to call you out of everything hindering you from becoming your best version we want to call you up to higher levels of manhood i'm jim ramos And I'm here with a mix master, the PH of sound, Dr. Pat George. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good today. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it's great. It is a good day, man. It is a good day. It's a rainless day in Oregon. And as always, I'm here with our producer, co-host, and my good friend, Dale Culver, how you doing, my man? Enjoying the fog. Enjoy. Oh yeah, well that's a little <laughs> bit less foggy, but uh, yeah, beautiful. Hey man, we got so much going. We got a great guest today. I'm super excited. Let's move. So I want to move through stuff, but give me the man word. What's our man word today? Can you guess? You should be able to guess. Uh, this. Maxims. Oh gosh. Am I close, dude? How about band of brothers? That's not one word. No. Give me, give me the word. Just manly manly oh that's too easy okay why would you choose manly as a as a man well
1: i think some people might think manly is a chauvinistic term or whatever but i think it's not and uh so we need to be manly act manly and that means you act like a man
0: oh that's awesome i appreciate that we're gonna jump into this so Hey, I'm really excited today about uh, our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. Again, guys, if you haven't uh, done that, done so yet, go check out that forum. It's the best place out there for open discussions with men about manhood, about how to become the best version of the man that you've been called today to be. But I am super pumped today about our guest, uh, new friend, Stephen Mansfield, 59 years old. Been mar- he's married to his wife Beverly uh, for 12 years. Uh, they have one son, one daughter in their 20s. He is an author, speaker, and media consultant. He's been doing that for 20 years. He has authored, wait for it, 20 books. Now I'm looking at this list of books, and it is really impressive The Faith of George Bush, Faith of the American Soldier, Faithful Volunteers, uh, Legacy of George Whitfield. Tons and tons of books. I have read three of those books. Uh, After reading those three, I am going to definitely pick up some more. I really, really enjoy uh, this historical excellence between uh, Stephen's writings and really excited. His greatest accomplishments are his two children, his happy marriage, being a multiple New York Times bestselling author, and... Deep Friendships with Fine Men, which really resonates uh, in the two books I want to highlight today. His passions are to fulfill his destiny and love his family well. And so welcome, Stephen Mansfield, to our show.
2: Hey, it's great to be with you. Thank you.
0: How's weather in Washington, D.C.?
2: You know, it's kind of cold and overcast, so kind of uh, befitting the political climate here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's befitting Oregon, so uh, that's exactly what we're looking at today outside of our window. So, hey, we're going to jump right into the fray here. We want to warm you up and throw you into our rapid fire round. And so I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and I want you to let me know what you think about them. And what I've chosen for you, Stephen, is I've chosen what I call the -the fill-in-the-blank round.
2: So oh, I'm nervous. I'm oh, nervous now. Go ahead. Oh, hey,
0: I have I've been reading your writings. You're going to kill this thing. So, here we go. Here we go. Fill in the blank. I believe so strongly about blank I would gladly die if need be.
2: Uh the cause of men.
0: Oh, wow. I I love that. That's good. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you know, it's funny, uh, out of the 25 books you've you've written, two sp- seemed specifically designed for men and they almost felt out of place with what your writing genre is.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm best known for the books on faith and politics, faith of George W. Bush, faith of Obama, uh, Lincoln, all of that kind of thing. But all of those books were about men. um, And so in a sense, I've been writing about men my whole career. There's a big men's story, father-son story, and the faith of George W. Bush, obviously with Dad Bush. Lincoln, you know, wrestled with his father, was haunted by him his whole life. My book on Churchill, one of my bigger sellers. Churchill was haunted by his horrible father most of his life. So in a sense, even though I'm writing about faith and politics, I've also been writing about
0: men. I'm reading Abraham Lincoln's uh, uh, biography right now, and I'm actually a relative of his, if you can believe it. Really? Yeah, so he real, his life really intrigues me, and so I, I'm going to probably pick up your book on Lincoln. But here, So speaking of books, here's the next question. If I had to recommend one of my books, it would be blank.
2: Hmm. Tough one. (laughs) To a man, to a man, it would be Mansfield's book of manly men. In general, it would be my book on Lincoln.
0: Oh, good. So I've read manly men. And so Lincoln will be the next one to pick up. I appreciate that. All right. Next question. If my house were on fire and my family were safe outside, the one thing I would run back into the fire to save is.
2: Well, I have a, I have a fireproof box that has all our important papers, but other than that, (laughs) I have an actual framed uh, letter from Winston Churchill, signed by him, written by him, uh, on my wall. And that may be the most valuable thing in our house. You know, I mean, you want to save everything, but it may be the most valuable thing. So I would probably grab that after our important papers box.
0: Oh, well, a lot of stuff is in the cloud. So you got to get stuff off the wall, otherwise it's going to be lost. So that's awesome. That's right. That's right. Next question. And, and, and,
2: and, my, and my Kimber 1911. I'd
0: have to. Oh, nice. Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Wait, you're saying yeah. that box is actually a safe? You can't come on this show. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would say Kimber 1911. Oh, you got to talk about Spr- Springfield XDM, man. Come oh, on. Come on. Kimber. No, let's no, 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 no. Let's, let's, get, get, let's
2: get serious. Let's get serious.
0: Yes. Hey, Kimber that, Kimber, that trigger on the Kimbers, it's hard to beat.
2: Oh, it's it's nice, especially when you have hands my size, so I love it.
0: Oh love yeah, see it. for me, I've got to throw as many rounds down range as possible, so I go for double stack, baby.
2: <laughs> well, see, see if I was if a if fire happened in the daytime, the Kimber would actually be on my hip, yeah. so uh, <laughs> that would be a problem.
0: Oh, there's a few guns on hips in this room right now, my yes. friend. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, okay. So I, I'm feeling really good about this podcast already. Hey, so uh, one gift I can give others is. Wisdom. Oh, man. Well, it's the you best know, gift I can give him. And you know, your books, uh, what impresses me, I read about 30 books a year. What impresses me about the books that I've read that you've authored is you have a way of communicating the details of history in a way that is not boring. A lot of guys bore you to death. And uh, your the way you record history is very engaging. In fact, I don't want to talk about this today, but your book, In Search of God and Guinness, it led me to drink my first Guinness. And more All than right. that, I was really intrigued in the church that you know Luther uh, used to hang out and mentor men in Wittenberg while drinking beer. Uh, Wesley was uh, he drank wine and was kind of an ale expert. Calvin, you said not only is drinking permissible, but it's good for being merry. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Saint Patrick took his his a brewmaster meskin with him so that he could brew the best beer and evangelize people. And Jonathan Edwards, you know. What is that sermon he wrote? Uh, Something in the hands of an angry God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. This same man used to nurse a drink at at social gatherings. So, so intriguing uh, to me, uh, uh, and the the wisdom that you offer through that. So, I really appreciate that. So, well, thank you. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Last question. That we're going to move into the interview process. Uh, I will eat anything put in front of me except
2: most vegetables. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: vegetables are what my food eats
2: so i i despise vegetables i have to i have to take some supplements so i can actually get their nutrients but oh gosh put some okra or some uh you know cauliflower in front of me and i just want to throw out
0: well you know here i found a way to eat uh to eat vegetables in a good way and that's just one word and the word is mayonnaise yeah <laughs> There you go. So there you got to throw some
2: Uh, bacon. I'm with you. You Or smother it in ranch, one
0: or the other, yeah. Oh, baby. If that doesn't work, fry it in butter. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Oh, man. Hey, hey, can you do me a favor, uh, Stephen, in a couple minutes, just share with our readers, our listeners, a little bit more about your personal life, uh, the things you enjoy, hobbies, anything you'd like to share with our guys?
2: Sure. My unusual life is that it begins with the fact that I was raised in Europe. My father was an Army officer. And, uh, so he was a military intelligence officer and a Russian linguist, special forces. And so I actually grew up in Germany. Uh, Most of my early life was in Germany. That really shapes me a lot. Um, I was a pastor for a lot of years. I pastored in Texas and uh, Nashville and, uh, but I was kind of pastor. I knew that I would, even though I had very successful pastors by God's grace, uh, I knew eventually I would transfer out of pastoring transition into what I'm doing now. So, um, I, I love to eat, I love to shoot, I love to play racquetball and work out. Uh, my wife and I do a lot of hiking here in D.C., all over, you know, around the, the Potomac and all the bridges and the monuments and the great, great lanes in the, in the district. And uh, I do a lot of international travel, a lot. Wow. Uh, probably 300,000 miles a year on Delta, if I can do it all on Delta. Wow. So uh, anyway, my life is, I have, I have a rich life, I'm very grateful. Two children, one living in New York, as you said, one living in D.C. We, we have a great time, and party a lot in our, our kind of fun family way. So uh, that's me.
0: So, okay, my wife just got hired as an Alaskan Airlines flight attendant. So we're going to be able to fly all around. My question is, if you could pick one place to hike or one place you've hiked with your wife, where would it be uh, internationally?
2: We hiked Istanbul and uh, loved it. We loved it. Yeah. But DC overall is probably our favorite place to hike. I mean, but Istanbul was exotic and amazing, and and uh, historic, and the food's amazing, and so we, we that that'd be my number two place.
0: Well, I would imagine as an author, uh, especially dealing with historic historical fact, Istanbul must be must have been a rich place for you to be. It's
2: unbelievable. I mean, just the, just the depth of history. You know, uh, the empires that have been there, oh. the way it's the bridge between Asia and Europe, and all of that. Just. Just unbelievable. I mean, the Hagia Sophia, the big Hagia Sophia temple that's there, or, you know, now it's in a, they call it a museum, but it was the great cathedral of Christendom at one point. It's unbelievable.
0: Oh, man. So if you were going to draw a map and say, uh, in this world, during your lifetime, you need to go to this place, where would you tell me to go?
2: In, in Istanbul or in general? In general. I would say Jerusalem, Istanbul, Rome. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I have a real love for, for Amman,
0: Jordan. Really? Those, so so yeah. those are the two places I want to go, Rome because I'm Italian, and uh, Jerusalem for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Pretty, pretty amazing cities, pretty amazing well, cities. Well, you know what, Stephen? Uh, I did a Google search in 2014 for books on men. Books for Men. We have an a organization for men called The Great Hunt for God and the Man Card Podcast. And uh, we launched that in 12 and 14. I just Googled, did a Google search. I'd never heard of you before. Your book popped up. Uh, I really liked the cut old school cover. Yeah. <clears throat> I bought the book and it really, really impressed me. I mean, it really impressed me. Uh, interesting. So I fa- it's called Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and an Utterly Invigorating Guide to Being your more masculine self. Thank you for that book. I love it. To be honest, I was a little surprised to see that book listed among books you've authored. It seemed out of place. So walk me through the process where you decided, I'm going to write a book for men.
2: Well, I got to tell you, it really happened because I just got ticked off. <laughs> um as as I as I've said, you know, I was writing about men in a lot of my books that weren't primarily about manhood. You know, the yeah. Bush book, the Lincoln book, the etc., uh, the the Obama book. But uh, I, I got tired. Of two two things happened. First of all, I'd I'd sit late at night on the college campus after I, after I'd given a lecture. I like rather than being with the faculty, I like being with the young kids. You know, the pizza joint on campus. And late at night, young guys would start saying, "Man, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Nobody's ever told me what to do to be mm. a man." And so a lot of these guys are unfathered. If they have fathers, they're not engaged for the most part. And so they just wanted to know the practicalities of what to do. But the second thing was probably like you guys, I got ticked off watching on television that every man is an idiot. You know, the guy who's doing a happy dance because he found the remote, on the couch, while his wife and kids roll their eyes in the living room. Every man, especially every middle-aged man, is a complete idiot. Everybody's yeah, laughing at Yeah. Him. Uh, or he's spending all his days drinking and sho- shoving 20s into some girl's underwear on the pole. Mm. And, uh, and yeah. I, I, I certainly understand that manhood is challenged in our generation, and I certainly feel that. But that's not all there is to manhood. That's not all that's going on. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot better manhood available, and for those who don't know that, especially men, I wanted to show them. So, uh, and, I, and I appreciate you saying earlier that my, my, my writing of history is not boring, because most of the books on men... Ah, uh, basically, were spanking men. They were telling them how bad they are. Yeah. Don't lust. Don't touch yourself. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I, you know, I felt like there's a better way to go. So I wanted to use history, but I wanted to use history sort of a flame to help light men up a little bit.
0: Man, that's so good. I just actually finished a book called The Man Card: Five Characteristics Separating Men from the Boys. And what we do is we give a target and say, "This is what we're shooting for, guys. This is what it is." And what I found is men don't need a beatdown. The media does a good enough job. They need, they need men to come around them and, and cater to their soul and to say, guys, we believe in you. You're a champion. You're built for greatness. And so I, really, right. I took that out of your book. And so, you know, it's interesting. So your book was broken into three parts. And the part I really resonated with, I love the whole book. You have some wonderful quotes in the book, but the part I really resonated with, Stephen, I'm just being honest with you. The part I really resonated with was was your, was your, four, ma- were your four maxims. Yeah. That yeah, really thanks. that really got the juices flowing because we've defined manhood as five things: protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Those are our five maxims, if you will. And so, but I loved yours, and if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you about those four maxims. Go for it. Okay. Maxim one. So one of the things that we say constantly, it's our mantra, is a man is as a man does. So I resonated with Maxim one. uh, Very simple to the point. It's so good. You said, manly men do manly things.
2: Yeah. You know, part of the reason I did these four maxims was I wanted to provide a relatively simple on-ramp for men who had never been challenged to great manhood or to noble manhood or to godly manhood, however you want to say it. And so this isn't everything you need to know about manhood, but it's it's my on-ramp. And one of the things that concerns me is that a lot of uh, ministry to men, a lot of teaching for men, is a lot about emotions man- management. Uh, it's a lot about, you know, dealing with how you're feeling and, you know, that that whole image of circle up a bunch of chairs and Ted turns to Tom and says, how you feeling today, Tom? <laughs> and uh, And – and and I you know if we're buddies I care about your feelings don't misunderstand I don't want you to be a troglodyte who can't feel anything, but at the same time uh, men are doers men I think manhood is restored basically and primarily by men doing the right things I don't want a bunch of guys sitting around a room talking about their emotions I want them to do things so that's why I put that first.
0: Okay so I'm gonna that brings me to a question and and in the book. You talked about your and what's the quote you used? You used um, your horrible years, I think it was. Your, yeah, something like that. Your yeah, your horrible years. Yeah. And I don't want to go into your horrible years, but but you made a comment that really hit me hard. You're a high level man, high functioning. You're an international uh, bestseller. You've authored twenty five books. You've been on the New York Times bestseller list. You're you're married to a, a Nashville kind of star. I mean, you're you're like you've like achieved it. But you said, I needed men around me who were not afraid of me. Yeah. And I, that, yeah. that statement is so heavy and so weighty. I think a lot of times as men, we're so busy holding hands and singing Kumbaya while watching the TV show something like Raymond or whatever that show's about, <laughs> that we're too busy to say, hey, pull your head out of your butt and get a life. Talk me through this fear that men have of each other that's unspoken.
2: Yeah. Most men are so insecure that they are primarily concerned about how their friends regard them. Do you like me? Are we okay? Are we good? It's a constant 24 hour, 24 seven kind of pinging that's going on to mm. use that Navy term. <laughs> but I want to suggest that you're not really being the friend you need to be if you're afraid of your friend and you're not willing to speak the tough things to him. In fact, when I teach men how to relate to each other, I talk a lot about a free fire zone. If you've been in the military, you know what a free fire zone, it. you know, it's it's a, it basically is, you know, you can shoot, you can shoot away on the battlefield that, that that's the status at that moment. Um, but I want a free fire zone with my friends, not where we hurt each other, but where anything that needs to be said to make us better, gets said, nobody's going to retreat. Nobody's going to be fearful. Nobody's going to be bashful about that stuff. And so, uh, when I went through a tough time and I don't mind, I don't mind saying at all on the air, what it was, uh, I was the pastor of a large church, and my wife left our marriage, Oh, and so I felt I didn't feel like I should take the church through that, so I resigned as pastor, and we ended up divorced. Now, that was you know, 15, 20 years ago, and I'm very happily married many years later, but the fact is, during that time, I needed some men around me who loved me but weren't intimidated by me because I'd been pastor of a large church or because I'm physically big or because, you know, whatever. I got a PhD. I don't know what they might be intimidated by. It doesn't, doesn't impress me. But you know as well as I do that a lot of guys will go silent and go weak around a guy who's perceived to be powerful, and that guy who's perceived to be powerful can end up in the drink, man. He can end up completely trashed because no one confronted him. And so that's what I needed at that time. I didn't have any big moral deformities, but I sure could have gone off the rails at that time in my anger and my bitterness and self-pity. And these guys just kicked my butt 24-7.
0: And you, you wrote a book called Building Your Band of Brothers, which I read. And you say these bandit; these are a group of men. This is a group of men that you do life with, and I think that's where you can you can only have free fire if you're doing life with a guy. I mean, yeah, you know, who who do you invite into that free fire zone? That's got to be a selective group.
2: It is it is a selective group. But let me just say real quickly that what, what passes for that kind of group for a lot of men is what we call an accountability group. Yeah. And as I as I kind of mock in the book, uh, if you're waiting for me to figure out what's wrong with me hold on to it for a month and drive over to the you know the breakfast joint on Tuesday morning and tell you about it so you can pray for me or give me advice i'm going to be dead i need guys who are i don't again i'm not telling you that i have any great moral you know massive moral deforming flaws but i need guys who are walking closely enough with me in life so they hear that bitter angry cell phone call to my wife they notice that I'm dropping the f bomb too many times. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're cool with me having one to, one or two glasses of wine, but if I'm on the ninth, and I never have been, I'm just <laughs> using this as an example. Yeah. Um, they go, dude, what's up? They watch me checking out the backside of the waitress at the restaurant, and they go, I got a great wife at home. What's happening? In other words, they're there helping me be a better man without me having to narrate it for them. And uh, that's that's what we've got to have. We got to have men who know us, love us, aren't afraid of us. And hit hard when they need to to make us better men.
0: Okay, can I? I'm going to call out one phrase you just made that because I don't think you agree with it. You said "better men" twice, but in your book you talk about not better but best. Yes. So would you yes. would you say that they they're calling you out because they want you to be the best, right?
2: Right. Exactly. I, I believe the good good is the enemy of the best. And you can have a good man who behaves himself, uh, but I think at the same time I want the best. I want the best out of my friends. I want the best out of the guys listening to this podcast now. Um, I, want, I want the best. What's the best you can be? I love and, it. And that, that, that means, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who's about six five, about 280. Oh, you're a little I guy. A, uh, yeah, I should be about 250. Well, I want some guys who go, hey, 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 you know, we, we have a joke in our group that if Mansfield's doing a line, it's not a line of cocaine, it's a line of Oreos. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, one line's okay, three lines a night's not. And they'll ask me about that stuff. In fact, their code language, when I'm traveling a lot and they're calling me on the road just to check on me, they'll say, how's the Oreo factor? And so, you know, it's just a humorous way to say, you're not eating too much, are you? Because that's one of my issues. I travel a lot. People buy me meals. You know what I'm talking about, traveling speaker thing. And I could lose about 20, 30 pounds. Well, I mean, I want to be the best I can be. So kick my butt on my weight if you need to. Kick my butt on my language. Kick my butt on my prayer life, my church attendance, my whatever. Uh, make me the best man that you can help me be and I'll do the same with you
0: gosh that's so good man now i would only say i i only disagree with one thing and that is the the oreos you got to dunk them into a large glass of milk and then you can spoon <laughs> them right. out it's like cereal no
2: yeah but but i will say that any 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 adulteration of the pristine all american oreo like putting icing on it or putting banana ice all that stuff that's just a communist plot to take over America. There's no question. Well, and I believe that
0: any flavor besides the original Doritos cheese flavor is somewhere from something, some socialist, commie thing. I mean, seriously. So, no, I agree. I've been known to snort a few bags of uh, Doritos as well. So, I am re- well. So, so I got a little question for you, Stephen. You say you're six and two eighty five. So, I might be wrong here, but in your in both your books, in the building your band of brothers, and in uh, your uh, Manly, Mansfield's Book of Manly Maxims on page 24, 23 in the former book. You talk about playing football. Now, I had you pegged for an outside linebacker. Am I wrong?
2: No, defensive end.
0: <clears throat> okay, but were but you're, but okay. Did that football coach really give you a pair of scissors and have you trim out your territory?
2: He did. He <laughs> did. He, he, met me, he told okay. me to meet him early in the morning on a, at an Iowa, big old Iowa school cold October and he said you do not protect your territory and that's not why you're not playing the best you can play. So I want you to trim the grass and uh, and get to know your territory and then come practice and come to games, you'll know what you need to defend and you'll do it right. And I got to tell you it changed my game. In fact, I ended up I ended up I went from an average player to being high school all-American. So and the reason oh, the ahead. reason was that this guy said defend your territory and it became a life lesson for me.
0: So were you a five position, guarding the sea gap? Where were you exactly? Were you, I'm trying to figure out what end means to you. Were you a nine or uh, were
2: you a five? I was a nine.
0: Okay, so you were what I would call like an outs, but you were in a, you were in a three or four point stance.
2: No, I was up. I was uh, up. It was okay. an unusual, unusual, yeah. I was up because I was tall and uh, I, could, I could go in there, push those tiny little backs out of the way. And uh, go for the ball, so they, they want to be in the up position. But sometimes the guy on the other end went down, so it's just but they left
0: it to our options. So were you strong side or weak? Strong. Okay, so you would be what I would call a nine. Okay, yeah. Well, if you don't close that C gap down, you're destroyed. They can run the power all day, which leads to Manly maximum number two. And I'm going to be honest with you, Steve, and I really resonated with this. You had me at scissors. You really did. I mean, I that, to have a coach do that, I've coached football before, uh, just what an epic deal, and maybe he had a little anger management issue, like you said in the book, but how funny. Uh, manly, manly men, this is Maxim 2, Man, men in the arena, listen up, this is huge. Manly men tend their fields. Talk us through that, Stephen.
2: Well, this language comes straight from the Apostle Paul, where he says to the Corinthians, Uh, I will not boast beyond, and and the the Greek should be the field assigned to me. It shouldn't be the sphere, which is what NIV and some other translations do. The Greek should be the, the field assigned to you, because he uses the Greek word metron, which means a measured and actually squared off space. So all that to say that it's obvious that Paul has a field assigned to him. He understands from God, he's got a field assigned to him. And he's, and, it, and he says to the Corinthians, it extends to you. Now, the assumption is it might not extend to some other people. So he knows what he's meant to be about at that stage in his life. And I believe this is true of every man. I believe every man has a body of things he's meant to tend, a field assigned to him. And by the way, it's not all drudgery. It's not all about take out the trash or whatever. It's the total body of responsibilities that God has given him. So I'm married I've got two kids, they're not they're not married yet, my daughter would be a little bit more of my responsibility. I've got a couple homes, you know, I travel a lot, I got an office, I got a staff. Uh, that so that's part of the responsibility. But the other part is get, get some exercise, have some fun, broaden your horizons, have a romantic life. And then maybe in this season of my life, I'm also meant to be pouring into young young men in the city, or I'm meant to be doing some political work, or I'm meant to be helping the widows through our church, or whatever. You know, the different seasons bring different. But you got to know the field assigned to you, and you got to tend it well. And I think this is where most, you know, men, especially since you know since we're, we're men from church um, in the Christian world, we tend to talk a lot about authority and having authority in our homes. I don't think we have authority because we were just born with a penis. I think we have authority. Because we are men who who tend our field, and God gives us authority to get that done.
0: Well, you you made a great comment when you said penis. I think that there are some myths of manhood out there. One of them is if I have a penis, I'm a man. Or if I'm older, I'm a man. Or if I, um, or if I make a lot of money, I'm a man. Or if I'm successful, I'm a man. But I think there's a lot of myths there, right? How would you speak to stuff- those myths?
2: No, no. Listen, no, you 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 have a destiny, but your destiny is fulfilled by investing in the other, in the destinies of others. Awesome. So men, men become powerful; they become strong by investing in the lives that God's given them. I'm not just here to dominate my wife. I'm here to invest in her, coach her, be the guardian coach that Ephesians five talks about, and help her become the best she can be. I'm meant to do the same with my kids, and in my case, I'm meant to do the same with men, and you know, to some degree, the broader nation that I'm part of. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's where true authority and power comes from. By the way, a lot of animals have penises that we don't want to talk about. I mean, you know, this just because I mean, a guy <laughs> thinks he's got a. Pen- I saw a rat with a penis not too long ago, so I'm not too interested in <laughs> talking about biological parts.
0: Yeah, exactly. That is so funny. So now, in your book, uh, when you talk about a man tends his fields, what stood out to me, and I, I had to stop and really think this through in your book, I was intrigued by the word fields. It was plural. And then just listening to you it sounds like you would say a f- a field is responsibility is that true
2: yeah I, I I probably would use the singular more than the plural and as I talk about it because I want you to see the whole thing as one field I mean okay. uh, you know if you're if you're if you're from Sunday school background you may have heard some teachers say get under the spout where the glory comes out okay kind of <laughs> yeah. a humorous little thing yeah well I believe you have enough grace flowing in your life for the field that's assigned to you If you're doing more than what's assigned to you, you're going to have burnout and stress because you're not going to have enough grace for what you're meant to do. And if you're doing less than what you're have, what you assigned to you, well, then you're not going to grow. You're not going to develop. I mean, the way that we grow and increase is by tending our field and then God giving us more uh, in answer. So all of that to say, I I probably think of it best as as field, but I'm happy for people to think of it as fields. It's fine with me.
0: Well, I was just, it had the plural in there. And and so I'm, I'm using your word picture of the scissors and the, you know, guarding that, C-gap, and I'm thinking, okay, I've got one field, but I can be on the 20 right hash. I can be 30 midfield. I could be on the goal line. So I have these different situations I'm in. I have these different people in my life, and that field changes. Like when my kids were 10, that field looked different than now that they're in their 20s. And so it changes, but I still am a man of responsibility. Have you heard of Robert Lewis and Authentic Manhood?
2: Yes, yes.
0: He, he defines manhood, uh, one of his uh, traits is accepting responsibility. Yeah. And that would, and, yeah.
2: And I, want, and I want to say, too, that, you know, that can sound awfully like d- drudgery to most men. Like, get out there and mow the yard, fool. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but responsibility means I also take care of myself. You know, when you get on an airplane, what do they tell you? Put the oxygen on your face first before you reach over and put it on your buddy. So... I, you know, my, when, I, when I'm tending my field, uh, I'm getting the controlled rowdiness that I need. I'm working out. I'm going and seeing good movies. I'm reading good books. I'm, You know what I mean? I'm, I'm living a rich life. I don't mean rich financially. I just mean rich in terms of its influences um, so that I can be the best man I'm meant to be. So that field of responsibility is not just duties and drudgery, take out the trash and listen to your wife nag you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being the best man you can be. And you got to take responsibility for that. A lot of guys need to get up off the couch. A lot of guys should actually need more fun, uh, more controlled violence. Yep. You know, yep. Yep. more yep. more adventure, more pressing the boundaries. I mean, that's that's that's
0: what that's included in that tending the field. That's so good. Hey, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts. Every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There you will lock arms with men from all around the world. This is a great page, guys. Hey, if you want to learn more about becoming the best version of you, go to the mancardpodcast.com, grab a copy of The Field Guide, my bathroom book for men with 365. 365- Daily readings about what a man is and does using famous quotes and epic stories. I wrote this book for men who don't read books. Guys, you're going to love this book. Pick up a copy today following this episode. Thank you again for jumping into the arena with us and championing the greatest battle of our time, the fight to change your world, because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Okay, so, hey, I'm loving this. So I just did a podcast that we released about three weeks ago, and it was called You Are First. And we actually talked about taking care of your oxygen before you pass it off to your child, and that yeah. that don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, I believe God first, me second. But I've also heard people say me second or me third. But my thought is, we are talking our audience, uh, Stephen, are what we call men in the arena. These are guys living in the stress bubble of life, twenty-five sure. to fifty-five years old, raising a family, getting the marriage thing done, and 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 there is a propensity with these good men. These good men who are really guarding that field, there's a propensity of these guys to dive so headlong into that. They forsake their health, uh, their their well-being, their fitness. And you used a word, and I want you to explain this, a phrase. I love it. You said controlled violence. What does that mean when you're talking about men?
2: Well, c- men need to be pressing boundaries. They need that controlled violence. You, you want me to go ahead and do this now? Yeah, do it. I love it. All right, good. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> Men need uh, a certain level of controlled violence. Now th- this can even get to the point where a 90 year old 95 year old guy is playing an aggressive game of ping pong, or he's breaking his record at the mall walking. or you know, mm-hmm. but men, especially young men, they need to slam into each other a little bit. They need to they need to work their way up mountains. They, they, they need to hit a little bit. I'm not talking about hurting anybody necessarily. No, I, if, that, if that happens, that's fine. but but uh, we I think we tend to lose the wilder side of ourselves. Um, and and uh, because we don't have a certain amount of controlled violence, again, this is racquetball, this is basketball, this is soccer, this is wrestling, this is this is you know beating each, up, each other up in the pool, this is pickup football. I got to tell you, one of the big problems with men, especially in the Western world, is that they are bored to death. And so yes. part of part of tending your field is that you take responsibility for your own need for adventure. And I want to say because I'm 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 pretty pretty big on this when I speak a lot about this. Um, That that we we, the psychologists have proven that a lot of uh, guys have affairs, partly because of the sort of James Bond side of it, you know, the secret rendezvous, the you know, the little hints and the sneaking around and the adventure side of it. And that's just pathetic. It's not in other words, often it's not primarily about sex. It's not primarily about some woman better looking than their wife. By the way, most men have affairs with women who are less attractive than their yes, wives. Yes. Um, but I, I think that's because they want some adventure. Well, that's pathetic. Get out there and get the adventure and the excitement and the joy um, by doing something other than blowing up your marriage and dishonoring your wife.
0: Man, I, man, I love your voice. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a weird, like feminine way. I'm like, I'm loving what you're saying because we, uh, Stu Weber says that this is the era of the soft male. And I think yes. that we've, we've, uh, my generation is responsible for this participation trophy era of millennials. And it's not the millennials' fault. Now it's their responsibility, but we as parents have made them soft. I love what uh, Max, uh, what not Maxwell, what um, Eldridge wrote in his book. He talks about every man has an adventure to live and a battle to fight. And that's what you're saying, I think, is that we need this controlled vi- violence. To come into our life to to sharpen the blade, so that we can become this sharp, best version of us.
2: Yes, there's no question about it. Uh, men, you know, men, ha- a lot of their personality. Uh, you know, let me just say it this way: when when men have an adventure, however unintended, like even let's just say, who knows, the the leaf pile in the backyard catches fire one night, and they all have to rush out there, four or five of them in their PJs, yeah. and put it out. <laughs> If they're honest with themselves, 20 minutes later, they're more alive than they were the day before. You know what I mean? Yes. The, 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 the blood is pumping. Things are bigger. I won't go into detail. They are. They are <laughs> just feeling the manhood. And and uh, and it's a shame that that has to be accidental. Yes. So so but I think that that animates every part of a man. I think that that's where men build friendships. I think a man is better for his wife when he's gone out there, gotten some adventure faced some danger, had some risk. Um, and so I'm, I'm a big believer in the idea that I'm not saying that, that men who aren't built for it need to go out and hang off a cliffs or whatever. Um, but, but until my wife asked me to stop, I jumped out of airplanes. Um, you know, I'm a scuba diver. I like to hike. I, you know, I just need a little bit more of it probably than most guys. I'm probably just infantile, but, but most of it, what I'm saying is that every man needs to find his level of pushing the boundaries. And I think you feel alive. And I think, by the way, you're not looking for your marriage or your wife or your kids to somehow fill that gap, that hole in your soul. It's just not going to happen.
0: That's so good. Yeah, my wife and I got scuba dive certified. But for me, it was because I don't know how to swim. And so to get under the water and have to survive down there was such a huge challenge. Funny story, my middle son Darby and I backpacked into the Oregon wilderness uh, four months ago, he was very, very sick the day before. While we packed in, it was 3,000 feet again gain and six miles in. We got in there in a snowstorm. <clears throat> we built a tent because it was getting to be almost newsworthy. And we're laying in this tent in the middle of the snowstorm, and we're hypothermic, and he's coughing with sickness. He said, Dad, tell me fun hunting stories. So I told him about, I told him about 10 of them, and he goes, all of those sound horrible. They aren't fun at all. And I had this epiphany, Stephen, that... Part of the fun of the hunting stories is the suck of it.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's no question about it.
0: Oh, man. So we're made for that. And what I've learned, and I think, I know I read this in one of your books. I can't remember which one it was, but you talked about men, that we rally around mission. We rally around purpose. We rally around a cause. And that's where we forge those deep band of brother relationships.
2: Yeah, there's no question. It's why men who have been in foxholes together normally are friends for life, or at least they remember it with great affection. You know, I've worked with vets and talked to a lot of vets who come back from Iran and Iraq and so on. I was was actually over there. I've never served in uniform, but I was um, sponsored there by the military and on the battlefield and so on. And uh, I got to tell you, one of the things that a lot of uh, guys back from the front uh, feel is a, a kind of a guilty sense that they were more alive there than they are now. Mm uh, They don't. And, and, and they don't want to even let those words out of their mouths because, you know, uh, that sounds terrible. Well, when I'm back when I was killing people, I was alive. And now yeah. that I'm at the mall, I'm dead. But we all know what they're talking about. Yep. There there. I had a mission. I had a cause. I had honor. I had nobility. I stood in at attention while a general reviewed the troops. I went out in the field. I did something I thought was important. Uh, it was physical. It was violent. It was a, in a noble cause. Sure. Now they come back and they work at the plant and they go to the mall and the, the big moment, you know, is, is a movie. Um, that's a big step down. So so guys have got to take responsibility for their own adventure level.
0: That's so good. Well, St. uh said the glory of God is man fully alive. How does a man how, give us some advice here? How do we stay alive through the 40s, 50s, 60s? What are some practical things you would tell guys? Hey, guy, go do this thing
2: get a band of brothers early and get a band of brothers who are different than you. Mm. In other words, if I, if I'm an accountant, I don't want five accountants. Yeah. If I'm a jock, I don't want five jocks because they're, they're, we're not going to see the flaws in each other. So I have men around me who are different from me. Um, uh, sh- share, make sure you got those shared values. These guys will drive you and push you uh, to be better. Uh, they'll, 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 push you to, to not, to not settle in. Uh, make sure your spouse, your wife understands, what it is to be a man and that there's no threat to her, that you'll actually be better for her if you go away for a little while, that you'll actually be better for her if you've got guys pushing you. That Tuesday night when you're hanging with your guys and cooking up some steaks, and talking about manhood and challenging each other, you're going to come home from that better for her and then demonstrate that. So the big, the big mistake I made in my life was I got busy, I got successful, and I got isolated and I did not have men pushing me. And so I had lots mm. of compliments and lots of, oh, Stephen Mansfield's going to speak to us today. He's awesome kind of stuff. And after a while, you know, you're 900 pounds and you're, you're dull and you're, you're not as interesting as you are or you think you are, and you haven't had a serious man experience in a long time. So for young guys, I'd say get a band of brothers, make sure you've got the values we're talking about in this podcast, you know, really poured into that band of brothers, challenge each other. And, uh, and then, and then tend that field, man, tend that field, manly men build manly men. You can't do it alone.
0: Oh, that, you know, I love Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another, but the key thing there is the, uh, the, another, the, anyway, that there's a word in that proverb that's the Hebrew word penne, p e n a, And it means face. And so my thing is who's sharpening your face, who's helping you to be, have the eye of the tiger. And it has yes. to be men who are different than us.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like like, you, like you're a hunter and a guy uh, familiar with the wild. And I'm not as much. I'm a city dweller. So yeah, I need you in my life. I need you to drag me out there and show me the beauty. And maybe we need to scuba dive together and push each other. Maybe we need to tell each other a few less Oreos, a few less Doritos. Uh, but at, at, at the same time, maybe I need to introduce you to, you know, hiking and to reading and to cities. And I don't know, whatever. I'm just making okay, stuff up. have uh, a- point is...
0: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go I've, got ahead, win, go ahead. Win. I've got a win-win. I've got a win-win. This summer, I'm doing a 45 mile death march, backpacks oh. on. We're doing it. So, east, come over here in Western Oregon. You can stay at my house, and it's I love to hike too. And so, death march, baby. Come on now, middle aged men.
2: That's the
0: deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I let you know. I'm, I'm getting the map uh, drawn out now. It's mostly timber roads. You know, so I'm just going to test out my two man hammock and see if I can uh, it can hold up under the weight. So, hey, but you you alluded to maxim three, which is manly men, men build manly men, yes. manly men build manly men. So talk to us about this. And is this about purposeful mentoring? Is this about intergenerational impact? Is this about different men sharpening each other? What did you mean when you put that maxim in there?
2: Well, the fact is a man does not see himself accurately. You know, to put it humorously. When I look in the when I look in the mirror, I suck my gut in, I raise my chin, I look like I do my best Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, like I'm trying to look good. Yeah. So if I look in the mirror, you know, the, the fact is, we're not even physically seeing ourselves accurately when we look in the mirror. Much yeah. less when we're po- posing. Yeah. I need guys who see me 3D. I need people who see me for who I really am, and like we said earlier, not afraid of me. So uh, I I have got to have people. Uh, who build me and help me become the man I'm meant to be? The, the, the fact is, a guy a guy who is self defined is defined by a fool. There's just no question about it, uh, because you cannot see yourself well. You might think you're awesome, you might think you're great, but I'm gonna I'm gonna risk being a little sounding a little arrogant here. I hang out with some extremely powerful people here in D.C. I do some I'm with some very high level people internationally, and I got to tell you. That it does not matter whether you're a billionaire and you, you sent your jet for me or you own half of a country or whatever. The fact is, if you are self defined, you're defined by a fool. You've got to have the voices of other men in your life, men who love you, aren't afraid of you, and know what noble manhood is. And I got to tell you, that's the biggest failure in my life and it's the biggest failure in most men's lives.
0: Hey, the problem with the self made man is he worships his creator. Exactly. And you said that creator is a fool, and I agree 100%. Man, gosh, this is so good. All right, I'm going to move into maximum maximum four because I want to honor your time here today, Stephen. Your last maxim, uh, you end your list with this, and and um, I want you to explain this because we got some guys that are in the bubble here listening to this podcast that that aren't there yet. But we believe that manhood is five things. It's it's a it's like a it's like a journey. This trailhead is protected integrity. The climb is fighting apathy. The summit, the apex of manhood, is pursuing God passionately. The descent is leading courageously. Of course, the end is finishing strong. So so uh, I agree with your manly maxim here, but I, we're going to have to unpack this for some of these guys. You say this, manly men live to the glory of God. Can you explain what glory is and what this means to you?
2: Yeah, I believe that God made manhood. I don't believe a man can achieve noble manhood without God's help. And I believe – I'm not going to play some game and say God's a man. We all know that theologically God is both male and female in his, in his essence. But as you worship God and honor him, there's a magnetic pull on your life towards what you're meant to be. And I, I, I frankly believe that being a noble man is as much supernatural and as much supernatural empowering as it is all the natural stuff. Mm. You and I – you and I I mean you know what I believe about exercise and about facing adventure and danger and all that. We've been talking about it. But i got to have some supernatural things too. And I'll tell you what, that's where real authority comes. Let me, let me just tell you real quickly that, that not, my, my daughter's in her late 20s now, but when she was in high school, I would pick her up at a Christian high school. Um, and there was this great big atrium. And she told me one time when we were driving home, she said, Dad, it's weird. You walk in the door, I can see you, but the young man talking to me has got his back to you. She said six or seven times, as soon as you walk in the door, they gentle up. She said one guy, t- one boy took a step back. She said one guy screwed up. He's my same age. He called me ma'am. But something about you being in the room changed them. And, and they, they weren't talking nasty here or anything. She wouldn't have allowed that. But somehow it made them just uh, as though I was standing right next to them. And I said, what do you think that is, baby? And she said, well, Mufasa was in the house, you know. <laughs> uh, and what she, what she means is you have authority for my life. She understands yes. this principle. You know, I have prayed for that girl. I have disciplined that girl. I have met her dates at the door with my Kimber 1911. I have um, fed her and taught her history and all that. I've got authority for her life because, uh, because I'm her father, not just positionally, but actively. My point is that God then gives me authority in her life. And so this is the thing that men miss. Uh, I don't have enough wisdom to tend my wife well without God's grace and revelation. Uh, I don't have the fortitude to tend my field well without God's grace. So I want to glorify him because he's my creator. I want to glorify him because doing so creates a magnetic pull on my soul towards what I'm meant to be. And I want to glorify him because in response, he will give me the resources I need to be the great man I'm called to be.
0: That's so good. I mean, I firmly believe that a man can never achieve the, achieve the apex of manhood except for radical devotion to his creator. Because, like you said about the self-made man, at the end of the day, even if he does achieve greatness – He's Even if the world puts him on display, and you run, you run around with these guys every day in D.C., these men and women who are on display, but if they don't get this glory part, they're going to take all of the display and receive that credit for themselves. And at the end That's of the right. day, they're living a lie when it comes to that. And I, I love it, man. And so I want to honor you today. I want to close with one quote <clears throat> that I, I'll tell you what. I don't know where you're finding these quotes, but they just rock my world. I've got... Quotes circled and highlighted all throughout the book. I've, I've written a book. I've thrown a couple of the quotes in there. You're quoted in my book. But, oh, but great. you said this, and I'm going to hack this to pieces because I'm an American and I don't speak French. So uh, it's from Charles de Gaulle? Yeah. yeah, Okay, I, American. I The Army of Future, in the Army of Future saying, nothing great will ever be achieved without great men. And men are great only if they are determined to be so for glory there's our word gives herself only to those who have always dreamed of her and i believe that men are made for greatness i believe yes. that what do you mean but what do you think by this what what does greatness look like for a man living in the stress bubble and how would you explain this quote
2: well i believe that god has made us all for a purpose and i believe that purpose is noble and wonderful by great i don't mean on tv or rich or you know what have you i mean great in the sense that you are Fully alive, fully engaged, all pistons firing, using all your gifts, impacting lives, a model in your community, and happy, by the way, joyful. I mean, I, I think I think the carpenter in the small town in Texas can be a great man, uh, and impact lives and do great work and glorify God. So, uh, yeah, I think men dream dreams of glory. It's why we like watching Hacksaw Ridge or Braveheart or all the other yeah. things we watch and, and talk about over a beer, and I and I think that we. Uh, we are meant to be uh men who achieve more than just you know most men again surveys today you ask people what do they want they say well i'd like some for shelter i'd like some food i'd like somebody who loves me i'd like for somebody i'd like to have some fun well that's a dog's life man that's the canine version of destiny yeah so no wonder we're not satisfied with that and that's why some of these powerful people that i can see here in dc sometimes have these ridiculous crashes what did they do they chased some 16 year old you know they, they blew up a beautiful marriage and a great family and a family fortune by meeting by some hooker on the street they'd never seen before. Just stupid stuff. Why? Because their soul is unfulfilled and their soul is unfulfilled because they're not striving for the greatness that they're made for.
0: Man, I'll tell you what, that is so good. Everything, you know, the only thing that might be called in a question, you talk about steaks with your buddies. You know, I'm a vegan. No, I'm just kidding. No, No, I'm just kidding. give it up. No, I'm just kidding, man. Hey, man, Steven, thanks so much. I'm having a puberty moment. I'm sick right now. Thanks so much for coming on our podcast. I know you're a busy man. You're uh, sought after all over the place. But, man, I really appreciate you pouring into the men in the arena. So, uh, hey, I will get a hold of you to do the death march with me. Me and you, baby. It's a deal, buddy. Give All me right. a call. All right, man. Hey, men. Good talk. Uh, you. have been listening to the Man Card Podcast, helping us transform the lives of men and those they love as easy as one, two, three. Follow us by subscribing and sharing the Man Card Podcast. Join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. And number three is invest in our resources and become the best version of you. Men, join us in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. Because when a man gets it, everyone, everyone wins. wins man they do that's a true statement right there guys join the men in the arena close facebook form for men help us help you become the best version of you until next time feel the wet sand of the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd taste the sweetness of victory smell the stench of battle get in the game get dirty grind it out and be, be a man, man.
1: This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. At your Man Card Pin Challenge today, you hunger to be the best version of you, and join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, A Bathroom Book for Men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man.
0: You know, s- s- you know few words talking men. Help us through this, man.
3: Yeah, well, uh, I've worked with a lot of them and I have been able to establish the fact that that he, men that don't talk very much actually do talk when that you get them on the right topics. Ooh. And uh, that's
0: true. Hunting, yeah. hunting,
3: hunting. <laughs> yes, Sex. right. And so what I've encouraged women to do is to focus attention on his topics of favorite of uh, his his favorite topics of interest. And and if you look at the Friends of Good Conversation, you, you'll get it, what I'm getting at with intimate conversation. First of all, it, 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 there the, they're, are they're, they're two, two content points. One is that you have to use your conversation to understand each other better. This is where honesty and openness comes in. This is where mm. exp, explaining yourself to each other, asking questions, asking riveting questions, and providing answers to those questions. Um, I have what, what on, on the website, free of charge, personal history questionnaire, which I encourage people to, to download and ask each other questions on the personal, fill it out. You'll get to know each other better that way.
0: Well, you you, the, you know what? Sec- oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: Then this is the second the second content topic is what is your spouse's favorite topic? What does is, is your spouse really like to talk a lot about? Educate yourself in whatever that is learn to be able to talk about each other's favorite topics of conversation. And and then there are two etiquette friends. One is balance the conversation. One person should not be talking more than the other person. Oh, that's good. Don't interrupt each other. Talk to each other in a way that both people are contributing equally to the conversation. And then the last the last etiquette is undivided attention. Don't be looking at your cell phone while you're talking to your spouse.
0: What? I'm just kidding. i don't watch, I'm just don't watch
3: football. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Well, you know, you said something. I want to really draw our men out and, and, and focus on a little bit because I call it the art of asking questions. I just, I just find that asking the right questions. Well, my wife wants to talk. All I need to do is ask the right questions. What are some sure. of the right questions?
3: Well, the basic question you you want to ask people is, um, how, "What are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, what are you planning?" Mm-hmm. Uh, where have you been? Um, they, they and and a lot of men feel that when their wife asks them these questions, they they feel like they're being interrogated. Yeah, and and my my argument has always been that they need to get used to that.
0: <laughs> ah, um, <laughs>
3: that's basically it's it, it's an important need for a woman to be able to ask penetrating questions to her husband about his thoughts. How to, when 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 you, you when you were looking at that girl over there. Oh, When we were walking through the shopping center, what were you thinking?
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
3: Give her the honest answer. Yeah. She, she is really cute, and I know I shouldn't be looking over there, but I did, and I'm sorry.
0: Shanna will say, she's not your type. <laughs> I'm like, you're right, she's not. I like curvy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, this is so good. We're running short on time. I want to get you to your radio show, but I want to end with the number one Answer, the number one need of a woman, this is the age-old tension between men giving affection for love, sex, women giving sex for affection. The number one need of women is, of course, affection. Man, this is yep. huge. On twenty eight, page 28, you said, women give sex for affection and men give affection for sex. And I couldn't agree more. How does a man yep. transcend that? Component and give his wife affection without a a, a desire for reciprocation.
3: Well, he's got, he's going to have a desire for reciprocation. But my argument has always been that that it 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 is an environment. Uh, oh. it, it's not a single act. It's something you do throughout the day. You start the day hugging in bed. You 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 start the day telling your spouse you love her. You hug her. You kiss her, and you say you're the most important person in my life. You start the day by calling her, and in, in, during the day, you, you, you text her during the day. You, you text her several times during the day, and, and, when you, and you call her before you come home from work, telling her when you're going to be coming home. That's an act of affection. Yes. Um, you, you, you encourage her to complain to you. Encourage her to complain. Is there anything that's lacking? Tell me about it. That's oh. affection. I'm going to be there for you when you need me it's a it's a whole attitude that i'm there for you that's a fa- that's what affection is and 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 you want to say how can i express my affection well can i can i bring you flowers i don't like flowers um what about a card i don't like cards well what do you like i like it when you text me during the day Interesting. i like it when you say hey, i'm thinking about you that's affection and, and it, is, it is something that I feel a lot of times what men say, the more affectionate I am with my wife, the more I want to have sex with her. And, and I think that on a date, that is very, very important to recognize. And this is where I encourage people to have sex after a date every time.
0: Oh, well, Every I really, time you have a
3: date, you have sex.
0: I appreciate that advice. Hey, well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I'll send my wife texts and di- different things, and I'm not perfect, but the text that I find that really hits her is when I just send her a text that says, thinking about you.
3: Yeah. That just
0: destroys her. Uh, you know, and she's you know, I just I love it. I love it. So you said in your book, uh on page twenty nine, you said this, and I really resonate. You said affection is the cement of a relationship. And later on you said it is a skill that can be learned. And so we've got guys out there going, Hey man, I I, I, this affection thing, and, and and we're saying, Hey dude. You can learn this. This is an art. Mm -hmm. You need to learn the art of affection or affection. And so, what are some things that you can give our guys uh, uh, as far as tools? Well, first of all,
3: you you ask your spouse what do you appreciate and what don't you appreciate when it comes to affection, and your spouse will give your wife will give you a list of things. I really appreciate when you're doing this and this and this and this, and I don't appreciate this and this and this and this. Now. Granted, if you make a list of things and start checking them off, that's going to seem a little artificial, and she may not appreciate it at first because it's something you're doing rote, okay?
0: Mm, but
3: you're getting into the habit of doing things she likes. Yes. And and, and and when you like something, even if it is something that is rote, you still like it. Yeah. See, and so the basic idea is that somebody tells you that you got to do these things. then In my chapter on affection, I have a list that one woman gave me about things that she appreciated, and her husband just checks things off during the day. And then eventually he gets in the habit of doing all these things. She, she appreciates it, but, but you have to understand they're symbols. These are symbols. Uh-huh. These, the, the acts of affection are not in and of themselves the most important part of affection, the the most important part of affection is that you really do care about your spouse. You really do. You really are committed to your spouse's happiness, and you're really willing to do. And then the symbol of affection, reminding her, I care about you, I'm thinking about you, deposits love units. But let's suppose you're not a caring husband. Let's suppose you've had affairs. Let's suppose you're physically violent. Then all the acts of affection aren't going to do any good because they don't symbolize any kind of care because you haven't been doing it.
0: Oh, that's good. That is so good. Well, Bill, I, I want to honor your time. I know that you uh, have a lot of other things to get to, but, man, thank you so much. I'd like to get you on this show again and dig deeper into this and maybe pick yep. up a couple of your other books. Is there a book that you would recommend that I read?
3: Well, His and attorney's and Love Busters go together.
0: Love Busters, okay.
3: Yep, and and then there's a workbook that goes with the two of them called 5 Steps to Romantic Love.
0: Oh man. Okay. Well, how can our guys get a hold of you? How can they pick up your books?
3: Well, you can get all three of them everywhere. Um Amazon, any bookstore, Barnes & Noble, everybody has them. And all you got to do is show up and there they are. Well, they uh, magically appear. Yep.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I think yeah, it's really easy to find your book everywhere. It's all over the place, and so man, I appreciate what you've done for marriages over your tenure of ministry. Uh, just appreciate you, man. I quote your book often, and uh, uh, really good stuff. So, thank you so much for li- for uh, being a part of our show today.
3: I enjoyed it tremendously. You guys are good guys. Oh, thanks, man. Hey,
0: man, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast, helping us transform the lives of men and those they love. As easy as one, two, three, one. Follow us by subscribing to the Man Card Podcast and join the Men in the Arena Facebook page for men. Uh, the, also, you can invest in your our resources become the best version of you. Men, join us in building an army in the, of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone, everyone wins. wins. Join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. It's free. It's the best free resource out there to help you step up into your best version. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. <laughs> Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be, be a man. man.
1: This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. That's your man card been challenged today? You hunger to be the best version of you and join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, A Bathroom Book for Men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man.